Well, the whole month of November is a month that the church asks us in a particular way to pray for the holy souls in purgatory. So not just the feast, the feast of all souls that we celebrate on November the 2nd, but actually throughout the month of November. And so this is what I'm going to talk about. And as a forewarning, it's a, it's a difficult subject, and so a little darker, and a little more grave, maybe even a little scary at times. But the book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. There's a time to rejoice in the saints in heaven and in the great blessings that we receive here below. A time for levitas, as St. Benedict says, but also a time for gravitas, time to talk about serious, serious things. The catechism, so whenever I say the church says, I'm quoting from the catechism. The, the catechism, the church says, there's no repentance for the angels after their fall, just as there is no repentance for men after death. So the time to repent is now, before we die. At that moment, when we fall asleep, as we just heard in this parable, the church fathers interpreted falling asleep as dying. So when we fall asleep, that's the hour of judgment. No more repentance after death. Now, those who die, here's the church, those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified, live forever with Christ. Those are the saints in heaven. That's the church triumphant. Notice, it's not only dying in God's grace and friendship. Those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified, live forever with Christ in heaven. Because here's the thing, there's no sin in heaven. There's no sin, no darkness, not even the stain of sin is in heaven. St. John Vianney put it this way, there is found no death, no mourning, no weariness, no weakness, no hunger, no thirst, no heat, no sickness, no infirmity, no sadness, no melancholy. None of that is found in heaven. And so if when we die, we have any of that in us, that has to be purged before we can enter heaven. Hence purgatory. So this is how the church explains that. All who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. There's no risk of damnation for them, having died in God's grace and friendship. They are saved. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. And that is the church suffering, the church triumphant in heaven, the church suffering below in purgatory. Now, oftentimes in funerals, there is the inclination to think, oh, my loved one is in heaven. We're here to celebrate the fact that he's, he or she is in heaven and celebrate their lives. Well, maybe if they died in God's grace and friendship and perfectly purified, then yes, they would be in heaven. And only the canonized saints, the church affirms for cert with certainty that that's the case. Everyone else, if they died having not been perfectly purified, can't affirm with certainty that they are in fact in heaven. And that's why we come together and we pray a funeral mass to pray for their purification. And that sometimes some folks will say, well, but I feel this. I know in my faith that this is the case. Well, my first question to that is, where, where did we get the idea that our feelings are a compass for, for truth? 
recently, I had a gentleman, he was addicted to drugs, and he, was, he shared, I, sometimes I go to the Catholic Church and I feel really good, sometimes I go to the LDS Church and I feel really good, and I just want to know which one is the true, which one is the right church, where should I be? And I listened to him for a long time and I asked, where did you get the idea that your feelings is a compass for you to know where the true church is? Here's a story from St. Teresa of Avila. She, a doctor of the church, so not only a saint, but also honored by the church as a doctor, meaning a great teacher of the faith. That's what the, what the word doctor means. Not only a model for us, but a teacher for us. She said, My God, what soul will be pure enough to enter into heaven without passing through the vengeful flames? O oh, justice and power of my God, how terrible you are. And her sisters replied, Ah, mother, what has happened to you? Surely you do not fear death after so many penances and such abundant and bitter tears. No, my children, St. Teresa replied, I do not fear death. On the contrary, I desire it so that I may be united forever with my God. Is it your sins then which terrify you after so much mortification? Yes, my children, she told them, I do fear my sins, but I fear still another thing even more. Is it judgment then? Yes, I tremble at the formidable account that it will be necessary to render to God, who in that moment will be without mercy. Remember, hour of mercy before death? At death, no mercy. Who in that moment will be without mercy. But there is still something else of which the very thought alone makes me die with terror. Alas, can it be hell then? No, she told them. Hell, thank God, is not for me. She knows she's in God's grace and friendship. Hell is not for her. Oh, my sisters, it is the holiness of God. My God, have pity on me. My life must be brought face to face with that of Jesus Christ himself. Woe to me if I have the least blemish or stain. She knows she has the least blemish or stain. She can't enter heaven with it. That will have to be purged. Woe to me if I am even in the very shadow of sin. You see, the goal for us is not merely to die in God's grace and friendship. That would be a low bar. That would be setting the bar on purgatory. And if that's the goal, we're going to suffer a lot in purgatory. The goal for us is to be saints. Is to be in God's grace and friendship and perfectly purified. On this side of life. On this side of death, before we die. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we give our whole lives to God. We hold nothing back. We go all in. And God has revealed to us that the Catholic religion is true. And so we give our whole lives to the Catholic religion. We hold nothing back. No shortcuts, no compromises, no picking and choosing. We go all in. We practice the religion in its entirety. And now as we're doing this, we trust that the Lord Himself is purifying us. Because this is not our work. We cooperate with Him, but we trust that He is doing because this is what He has come to do. 
And this is what he can accomplish. And this is what he will accomplish if we allow him. We heard from St. Paul. We do not want you to be aware, unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. And he continued, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. See, there are two opposing errors here. One is to think that my loved one has died, therefore all I can do is drown in my sorrows. Or my life will eventually die, therefore there is no meaning. That's no hope, having no hope. On the other side, on the other opposite extreme, is to say, my loved one has died, therefore they are in heaven. I will die, and I will for sure go to heaven when I die. That's not hope. That's maybe misinformed faith. But not hope. Hope is... For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Yes, this will happen. Well, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the timing. So what can we do to help? Because the souls in purgatory, the church suffering, their time is up. They can no longer do anything for themselves. They are now relying entirely upon us the church militant. It is our good works that will help them in their purification. As we cooperate with Christ, this is how God has set it up. And the church says this, to help those in purgatory, almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance, above all, the Eucharistic sacrifice. That is why we offer a funeral mass and that is why we come to the altar Sunday after Sunday and pray for the souls in purgatory. We do this every Sunday, if you listen closely to the words to the priest says of the altar. This happens every Sunday, but in a special way we do this at All Souls Day and throughout the month of November. And so all of us have had loved ones that have died. What can we do for them? We can pray for them. We can give alms. We can do indulgences. And we can offer masses for them. We can have masses offered for them. You know, I think most of you know my father died when I was a baby. And he was baptized, not really living a Catholic life. I hope he was saved. I don't know for sure. But in the case he's in purgatory, you better believe in praying for him and offering Masses for him. In fact, my first Mass, my first Holy Mass of Thanksgiving, that was the Mass intention. You know, St. Monica, the great St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine, she said to his, her son, as she was dying, her son, who is now a bishop, a bishop and a great, already revered during his lifetime. She said, bury my body wherever you will. Let not care of it. Let not care of it cause you any concern. But do bury my body. I'll get back to that in a second. Bury my body wherever you will. Let not care of it cause you any concern. One thing only I ask you, that you remember me at the altar of the Lord, wherever you may be. That's all St. Monica wanted from her son as she was dying. So we perform the spiritual works of mercy, including praying for the living and the dead. And in a special way, we can go to cemeteries and do that, especially this month. But also the corporal work of mercy of burying the dead. 
I've discovered, as my, to my surprise, in my short time as a priest, that there are folks who have ashes of their loved ones at home. That's not good. We bury the dead. That's what Christians do. So this is a month. Anyone is in that situation? Let's do that this month. To bury the dead. And we, of course, continue in our path of salvation, of purification, going to confession regularly. And as we approach death, especially then, to receive the anointing of the sick. Sometimes folks wait until the last moment to call the church, to call the priest. In a really, from a really practical perspective, that's not a good idea. We may not be able to get to you. But the church says we don't have to wait for that. The church says the anointing of the sick is for who, having reached the age of reason, so not for little kids, but those who have reached the age of reason, begins to be in danger due to sickness or old age. So if there's a danger of death due to sickness or old age, call us and we'll come and anoint you. All things to do during this month of November, throughout the year, but especially during this month. So I'll close with this paragraph by St. John Vianney. This is from a sermon that he preached on All Souls Day. Why am I up in the pulpit today, my dear brethren? What am I going to say to you? Ah, I come on behalf of God himself. I come on behalf of your poor parents to awaken in you that love and gratitude which you owe them. I come to bring before your minds again all those kindnesses and all the love which they gave you while they were on earth. I come to tell you that they suffer in purgatory, that they weep, and that they demand with urgent cries the help of your prayers and your good works. I seem to hear them crying from the depths of those fires which devour them. Tell our loved ones, tell our children, tell all our relatives how great the evils are which they are making us suffer. We throw ourselves at their feet to implore the help of their prayers. I tell them that since we have been separated from them, we have been here burning in the flames. Oh, who would be so indifferent to such sufferings as we are enduring? Do you see, my dear brethren, do you hear that tender mother, that devoted father, and all those relatives who helped and tended you? My friends, they cry, free us from these pains. You can do it. Remember, the souls in purgatory cannot do it for themselves alone. They're relying on us. Free us from these pains. You can do it. Consider then, my dear brethren, firstly, the magnitude of these sufferings which the souls in purgatory endure. And secondly, the means which we have of mitigating them. Our prayers, and I forgot to add, you know, the prayer that we can pray before each meal after saying grace. May the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. We can do that three times a day, every day. Our prayers, our good works, and above all, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So now we turn to the altar to beg God for our purification and for that of the holy souls in purgatory.